Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For information about the church, you can go to our website, connectionschurch.church, or you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Well, as the little fella coming out of Children's Church said the other week, it just keeps getting gooder and gooder, amen? <laughs> I tell you, whew, strong stuff, and wow, God's going to honor faith in a powerful way because he always, always, always does. So, so thank God for what he's doing here today, and welcome everyone. Hey, if you're new to us or only been a couple of times, uh, if you would do us a favor and just fill out the little bit of information on your uh, handout that was given to you, hopefully, as you came in. If not, there's some out there at the big blue wall. We'd just like to have a record of you being here. We want to let you know how glad we are that you're here at Connections, and if we can serve you in any way, man, we are here to do that anytime we can. We love you guys, and what a special time of the year, and what a special, special day. And you know what? Just when you think, man... How could it get any better? I walk up here to this sacred desk, and someone who knows my heart left this. I'm talking the extra large Hershey, not the little bitty small Hershey bar for 69 cents at Walmart, the big daddy, right? Because if you don't know, I am a chocoholic, and I admit it, and it's, it's the first step of getting help, but I really don't want help. I love the stuff, and man, just, I think heaven's going to be cheese and chocolate. You, you understand that? How many of you are cheese fans in here? Chocolate fans in here? Because my theory has always been, you put cheese and chocolate on anything, and it proves it vastly, right? So. Way to go. So if you would, grab those handouts and follow along, take some notes. We're going to look to the Word of God today because there is nothing like God's precious Word that changes us in powerful ways. And if you haven't been with us, we're continuing our study entitled what? Unbox. We're opening up all that Christmas is to us. It's a big day here at Connections, uh, the gathering right now this morning that you're a part of. And also tonight is what? What is it? Jingle jam. And I'm telling you guys, you better sell your beds to get here early because it's going to be packed out. Well, you may not want to sell your bed. You might need it later. But, but do everything you can to get here. We're going to set up every chair we have in the building. We're going to set up every space we can to house people because it's going to be the party of parties. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's party time. Because Jesus, the reason for the season, is always worth the biggest party that there is. And, and speaking of Christmas, there are two young boys who were spending the night at their grandparents' house. And, and the week before Christmas, it was getting close. And at bedtime, the two boys knelt down beside their bed to say the prayers. And man, that's a, that's a powerful thing. And as they, they started in their prayers, the younger of the brothers began to pray at the top of his lungs as loud as he could. I pray for a new bicycle. And I pray for a new Nintendo. And his older brother leaned over and nudged him and said, man, buddy, why are you shouting? God isn't deaf. To which the little brother reply, replied very wisely, no, but grandma seems to be. So as we continue in our Christmas study called Unbox today, we're turning our attention to the purpose of Christmas. And to be transparent with you completely, I just want you to know this past couple of weeks, I struggle with today's message because of the focus of the message. I, I went back and forth between, between the purpose of Christmas and the people of Christmas. And, and then all of a sudden, just, just days ago, it, it hit me. And are you ready, ready for this? Because I'm going to share with you what hit me. Are you holding on to your seat? You're not going to fall out on me, right? I actually put it at number one on your outline, so get ready, pens in hand, outlines out. I finally realized this amazing 
reality that I knew all along, but it just kind of hit me all of a sudden for today that, that this, people are the purpose. Amen? Wow, you're not as excited about that as I, as I was. When that kind of just dawned on me, I, I got jacked up a little bit, and I wasn't even on Mountain Dew. I was thinking, yes, that's it. My struggles are over because people are the purpose. That's what this is all about because Luke chapter 2, and if you'll turn your Bibles over there, we're going to be bouncing all throughout that long, incredible, powerful chapter. Luke chapter 2 verse 11 tells us this amazing truth. For unto you, take that little finger of yours when you finish writing and put it right there, right there at your heart. Unto you. What does that mean? Unto who? Unto you, say, say unto me, make it real personal. Say unto me, unto me. This is who this is for. When you're reading this stuff, read it as if it's directed towards you all the way. Because you know what? It is. It goes on, it says, unto you, unto me is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Let me let you in on a little secret that a lot of people are kind of losing sight of in the day and time we live in. Jesus didn't come to save the whales, right? I mean, we love whales. Who doesn't love a big old whale emerging out of the sea and the blowhole going off and, and just the, the majesty of that huge creature? Everybody does, but he didn't necessarily come to save the whales. He didn't come to save the polar bears, those cuddly little, little bears in the North Pole and bouncing around on the ice and they just so beautiful and just majestic, but he didn't come to save the polar bears. He didn't come to save the rainforest. Any of you ever been to the rainforest? An incredible place and, and, and amazing in all of the ways of the, 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 the layout of it and, and the functioning of it. It's just kind of mind-boggling, but, but Jesus didn't come to save the rainforest and he didn't come to save this planet. As much as the ozone warriors and the, the climate warriors are, are fighting for this planet, guess what? The Bible clearly says that heaven and earth are going to what? They're going to whoop, pass away. They're going to be over and done with. And then a new heaven and a new what? A new earth is going to be established. It's going to last how long? So, ladies, you can use all the hairspray you want. Psst, man, you can just lay that stuff on thick if you want to because guess what? It's not going to make a difference at all. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world. In, you ever remember that? Everybody in their 30s looking at me like, what, what, what's wrong with our pastor? Has he already dipped into the chocolate this morning too much? I mean, come on. He's got it all under control, so he didn't come to save all of that stuff. Guess what? He came to save us. The purpose, the reason, the meaning of all of this it's for you and for me and everybody else that will ever, ever, ever draw a breath on this planet. Jesus came for us. And saving us is the greatest and most concrete demonstration of God's love, the definitive display of his grace throughout time and all of eternity. I love what Billy Graham said. A lot of things he said I love, but one thing in particular this morning, the very purpose of Christ coming into the world was that he might offer up his life as a sacrifice for the sins of mankind. He came to die. This is the heart of Christmas, his life for ours. Wow, what a savior, what a savior. So Christmas's purpose is what? Just a few minutes ago, I said it. Christmas's purpose is what? People. You, me, every one of us. And think about this. 
You know the mean guy that lives in your neighborhood? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. The one that everybody kind of avoids. Some of you are naming their names. I didn't mean for you to do that. Jesus came for them. What about that cold coworker that you have? That every day you walk into your plant, your office, your, your whatever environment of work, you, you have to, to go by their desk and, and, and you say, good morning, Bill, how's it going? They look up and go, Rrr. you're like, about the same as yesterday. And the 20 days before, okay, okay, guess what? Jesus came for them. What about the outcast that never seems to get involved and just is always a loner and just kind of, you know something's going on and hurting deep down inside and, and they just won't engage with anybody. Jesus came for them. The purpose of Christmas is people. Therefore, what should be our purpose? To honor God, partner with him, and reach people. Does that make sense? I mean, it does to me. I'm a pretty simplistic guy. You know I don't get deep and all that stuff. I can if you want to. We can sit around the table and talk deep theology, but guess what? Jesus came for us to go out into the fields and the highways and the byways and compel people to come into his house. He came because he loved people. And the reason and the purpose and the meaning of Christmas is simply that, people. They mattered so much that he came from heaven to earth to give everything he had to reconcile us back to God the Father. So since Christmas's purpose is, is people, let's learn from some of the people at the first Christmas and First, let's check out some of the people who received him. Received him. That, that's the heart of it right there. Isn't it amazing to you like it is to me that we have the ability in our lives, that we have all the control, look at me just for a moment, to either receive him or reject him. What a gamble that is. God put us here on this planet. He gave us the blessing of life and he, he breathed life into us and everything that we have, as Pastor Terry has mentioned a couple of times already, have come from God the Father who is a good father. And all of that was done in the great risk knowing that we may never acknowledge that, receive it, or be thankful or grateful for it. We might turn our noses up at it and walk away and yet God still blessed us with all this. So whether you're in this room or you're watching this or listening down the road or today or whenever, you have the power, just like everybody at the first Christmas that we read about in God's word. So most of us know the main cast of characters, right? How many of you have a nativity scene set up at your house, inside, outside, somewhere? That's great. And most of the time, the nativity scene, of course, contains Mary, Right, The mother of, of Jesus, the, the young virgin who was tapped on the shoulder and the angel pronounced, you're going you're gonna to bring God into our world. You're going to be the one. And she was a humble servant of the Lord. And she, she gladly said, even with all the questions swirling, let it be unto me just as you have said. We know about Mary, right? We know that God used her in this incredible way. We know about Joseph, who the Bible tells us was a righteous and just man. He didn't want to put Mary out publicly and shame her because she could have been stoned and, and, and killed and, and put to death for, for being pregnant and not being completely married. They were just engaged at this point in time. But an angel came and said, Joseph, hey, this is what, what has happened. It's of God. So, so don't, don't, don't reject her. And Joseph said, I'll go with your plan instead of mine. There's some wisdom right there. Would you write that down? Go with God's plan instead of your own. Because I'm going to tell you, folks, I've tried both ways. The God plan always works. My plan, never. 
And I think you'll find the same results. And Joseph said yes to what God called him to do. How about those wonderful shepherds on the hillside? They were doing what? Watching their sheep by night. Everything peaceful, everything calm, everything same it was the night before and the night before and the night before and some stinky, smelly sheep out there bah, on the hillside every once in a while breaking the silence. And then all of a sudden, an angel appears out of nowhere and says, hey, I bring you some good news, great tidings of glad joy and all that good stuff. There's a Savior being born, and we know that the shepherds did what? Made haste. In other words, they put on their running shoes and boogied on down to Bethlehem, right? You never heard it put like that before, I know, but that's exactly what they did. They could not wait to get there. The angels pronounced this to them. They picked them out of everybody else, the, the lowest on the totem pole of, of the socioeconomic class of, of people were the shepherds, and God showed up to let them know, which means to us that he includes everybody. Nobody's left out. And the shepherds made haste, and they went down, and they, they discovered Jesus, and they're at the nativity scene. And what a beautiful thing that is. And then last week we talked about, as some call them, the Magi, a.k.a. the wise men, and how they saw a star. They had been studying things to come, and they knew that something was going to happen. They knew that a Savior was promised, that, that a Deliverer was promised. And, and when the star appeared, they, they, they knew something powerful had happened, and they just had to go and find what that was. And the Bible tells us they made that long journey as we discussed a little last week. And at the end of the road, what did they find? They found the Savior, Jesus. So we know all these incredible people and, and, and we know their stories and we know that they received Christ into their lives. And, and look at me, Christ makes all the difference when we receive him in our lives. And, and you, you've ever watched a movie and there's these main cast of characters, they call them the stars of the, of the show, the movie or whatever, you know, they get paid the big bucks, you know what I'm saying? And then there's these extras kind of that's just in the background, might be a janitor, you might have a guy over here sweeping up and he's trying not to say, hey guys, it's me, I'm on film, you know, this is awesome. The other players, the other people that make up the different scenes, and they're not the stars. They're not the ones that are prominent out in front and, and getting all the glory and all the camera shots and all the great angles and the people coming in and, and doing their makeup and adjusting and wiping the sweat off the brow and all that stuff in between shots. This is kind of what happens in, in Luke's accounting. If you don't know about the book of Luke, you know there's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and you do know this, right? there. You guys are amazing. And so Luke's gospel account is kind of more broad and elaborate. He includes things that the other writers seem to, to kind of not put in there. So I think they're kind of like me. I just like to get to the heart of the story. I just like to write down A to B to C to D, boop, end, it's over with. I love Pastor Scott. He has that gift of writing, man. He can take uh, what I would write in like a half a page, and he can turn it into four pages of this amazing, flowery, just flowing, well-written stuff. Luke's kind of like that. And here's what I love about Luke. Once the main scene is, is kind of over and done with, at the latter part of, of chapter two of, of, of Luke's writings, he, he mentions two other people who are a, a part of the Christmas story, people who received him as well that, that most of the time kind of gets overlooked. I mean, we kind of 
do the songs and, and do the little play and production and at Christmas time and sing joy to the world and, and, and have a cookie and, and a, little, a little glass of punch or something and then dismiss everybody to go home. And you ever been to a movie in the last few years and, and, and what they have, have kind of come to in, in the movies is, is once the, the movie actually ends, they start rolling the credits and then they put up these extra scenes. And, and, you know, most of the time when it first started happening, nobody really knew it because everybody just accustomed to getting up. Once the writing comes on the screen, okay, time to go. Great movie or terrible movie or I wasted 20 bucks or I, you know, I felt good about spending that 20 bucks or whatever, it's over. But now they started doing that and people caught on to it. Now most people just kind of sit there saying, what's next? I know you're going to show me some more stuff. This is kind of what happens here with a guy named Simeon. Now, now, if if you want to read this later this week, I would encourage you to do so. Simeon was an older man. The Bible says he was a a righteous man. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit was upon this man, that he he sought God with all of his heart, that he loved God. If if you read his story, you find out this man was dedicated to God. He, He had a heart for God. And God had promised him one thing. Well, he promised him a lot of things, but this one thing in particular I want to point out right now, and that was this. Simeon, you're not going to leave this earth until you see the fulfillment of the promise of Christ coming into this world. That's what's going to happen. I I promise you that. And Simeon was holding on to that with everything he had. He kept searching. I believe every day he got up as he got up in, in, in later in years and just thought, is it today? Is it today? It's got to be soon. I'm getting kind of old. I'm, I'm kind of long for this world, but is it today? Is it today? And finally one day. The Bible says it was time for Mary and Joseph to take Jesus to be circumcised as was a custom in that day and time. And, and they went to the temple to, to make this happen, to follow the Jewish customs as, as, as was required and needed. And, and so as they were in the temple, guess what? Simeon didn't just happen to be here because we don't believe in coincidence, right? We believe in divine appointments because if you don't, you better check your heart because God does that all the time. And so as, as Simeon's in there, as, as I believe he went daily to worship God, all of a sudden Mary, Joseph, and who? <laughs> Jesus, show up, little baby Jesus. And as they walk into that temple, all of a sudden, woo, something hits Simeon. And that something was, this is the day. He's here. And the Bible says he just goes and takes Jesus into his arms. Luke writes that. Now, now most of the time, we'll be like, hey, pal, you know, if, 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 if somebody you're really good friends with comes up and says, oh, there's little Jimmy, let me just hold Jimmy for a minute and takes him from your arms, you're like, you're cool with that most of the time, right? Because you know this person. But somebody, just a stranger, walks up and says, oh, there he is. I've got I to gotta hold him. Holds Jesus in his arm. Mary and Joseph, we don't see that they put up a vice. And no, this crazy guy is trying to steal our baby. Get away, get away, nothing like that. They just allow this God moment to happen. And Simeon holds Christ in his arms. And he begins to prophesy. And he says, this child is going to do great things. This child's a savior. This child is the deliverer. This child's going to meet some tough days ahead. I'm I'm paraphrasing here. This child's going to end up giving his life. This child is going to go through pain. But this child is the promised one. Folks, what a powerful thing. And, and, and oftentimes you, you might not have ever even heard of his name, Simeon. And then just after Simeon's account, there's an account of a lady named Anna. You, you ever heard her story? Now, I love, I love her story as well because it's full of faith and it's full of power and, and, and great things are happening. And, and in this final segment, this final post-credit scene, Anna is an 84-year-old wise woman who spends her days at the temple also fasting and praying. How powerful and valuable is that? 
We need people today who will fast and pray to see a move of God, as we've seen this morning, where God shows up and touch hearts and changes lives and and meets your needs right where they're at and and continues to work in our lives and and speak to us that great things are going to happen. And that's exactly what this precious lady, 84-year-old Anna, was doing at the temple on that day when her eye catches a glimpse of baby Jesus as well. And she begins to do something powerful. She begins to praise God. And then she turns to the crowd and she tells them this. This, this baby is the one who's going to redeem Israel. Her words echo through the words of Simeon. And I'm sure she gave Mary another wonderful memory to ponder in her heart. And what a preacher she was. I mean, can you just see that played out in your mind's eye right now? How this 84-year-old woman goes up and says, this is he. This child is the one that's going to redeem Israel. As loud as she can, I imagine, throughout the whole temple, and it's echoes in those chambers. Can Can you hear me right now real clear? We need to be those preachers today. Well, pastor, that's not my calling in life. It's a... You and Terry and Joseph and Scott, y'all, no, you are a preacher. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, you're a preacher? I want everybody to do that. Turn to them and say, you are a preacher. Say it like you really believe it. Turn again and say, you are a preacher. And now turn and tell them, start preaching. It's time that the church rises up and begins to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's time that we rise up like Anna and say, this is the one. He is the one that's going to redeem America. He's the one that's going to save us from our sins. And it's a job for every Christ follower that we've got to grab a hold of and run with like a fire that's shut up in our bones and we can't contain it any longer. I love the story of Simeon and story of Anna, but also we have those who rejected him at that first Christmas, missed the greatest opportunity ever. Reminds me of a a shoe company way back in the day who sent a salesman over to Africa, an untapped market for shoe sales. After being there for a little while, the salesman reported back to the home office and said, please bring me home. Nobody here wears shoes. So they flew him back and had another gung-ho salesman and said, we're going to send you over there to give it one more shot. (laughs) He gets there. He sees what's happening. And he reports back, send me all the shoes you can get over here because nobody wears shoes. Everybody needs some shoes. Send them all. It's a great opportunity. It's got, got to be that we see the opportunities that are in front of us and seize those opportunities, unlike the innkeeper. I mean, he's also in the story very prominent in many plays. He's been depicted as a guy who answers the door, and his main line is, sorry, there's no room in the inn, right? How many of you have seen that play like 100 times? How many of you have been in that play like 100 times? How many of you were the innkeeper by chance? Maybe there's a couple of you in there. What a a terrible line. What a terrible part, really. And so we ask, well, why why, why did he miss Christmas? Well, it was the busy season because everybody was coming to to pay their their, their taxes and and, and do their accounting and and show up and, 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 and all that stuff as was custom in that day and law. And, And so with everything hopping and the festivals happening, everything, it was very busy. 
And so if you didn't have a reservation, how many of you went without a reservation somewhere? We went to the Myrtle Beach one year around July the 4th as I was about 12 years old, me and my mom and dad, and my sister had went somewhere with somebody else. So we hopped in my dad's pickup truck, single cab pickup truck, by the way. All three of us scrunched up in that old Chevy Scottsdale, and he said, we're going to the beach. Made no plans to go, just spur of the moment. So we ride down July the 3rd, the 2nd, the 3rd, something like that. And for three hours after driving four and a half hours down there, we rode up and down the boulevard looking for a vacancy to which we found zero vacancies. And we finally stopped and had some donuts at at Krispy Kreme, God's favorite donut place. And then we got back in the truck and we drove home. It's about 12, 13 hours in the truck, scrunched up in a single cab truck. They hadn't made a reservation. But the the tragedy was that the innkeeper didn't make room for them in the inn. Instead, he put them out back in a stable, which was nice enough, I guess, but I, I think a lesson, and I don't think I'm reaching here in this, is that too oftentimes, especially around this time of the year, we get caught up in the busyness and the stuff of Christmas. Frantically shopping. Which, to a large degree, now has turned into frantically shopping on your computer after you've got the kids in bed at about 10.30 at night. Or, if you're like Gwendolyn and Jonathan and me and Tiffany and Devin, you're at Cole's on Saturday night at like 11.45, it seemed like. And that was fun last night with about 20,000 other people. The parties, you got to get to the parties, you got to go to the work party, the school party, the family party, the neighborhood party, the, the church party, Jingle Jam. This is the party to be at, though, right? Don't miss this one because this is all about him, not about anything else. But all the festivities, you got to line up all the schedules and you got to finish up. You got to actually do some work during this time, right? Because your, your boss kind of expects it. All the school activities that are happening as we wind down this last week of school that's coming up before us this week. And how many of your parents are, are either joyed or just you don't know what to think because they're going to be out of school for, what, two weeks after that? And you're like, yeah, it kind of goes back and forth between joy and I don't know what we're going to do. And, and so all the stuff. It just kind of piles up, and before you know it, we can get overwhelmed. Or, or maybe, maybe some people just don't really care that Jesus came. Maybe some people are just totally uninterested, and, and, you know, I've heard that stuff and stuff. But listen, guys, I just want you to know, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I believe when people kind of reject or just kind of numb to it or just kind of let it pass on by and stuff, that they've never tasted the goodness of God. As Kaylee was talking to us this morning about, you know, you, you, you advance to the, to the sea and you don't know how you're going to get across or through or over or whatever. And, and all of a sudden you're sitting there and you're saying, God, what's going on? And the next thing you know, whoop, the, the, the sea parts and there's dry ground and he takes you through safe and secure and sound. And you've tasted the wonderful blessings of God when he showed up in your life when you needed it the most. There's no way. We could ever be numb to that. Christ is here. He came for us. 
People like the innkeeper, they missed it. They didn't capitalize. Many people make the declaration, I've heard it in my 30-something years of ministry so many times, I'm just tired of hearing it. Pastor, one of these days we're going to make time for church. One of these days we're going to prioritize being there. But right now, things are so busy, the kids are playing ball games all weekend long, all week long, all month long, all year long, and, and life's happening, and we're committed to this, and we're involved with that, and, and while the weather's great, I like to get out and play around the golf and, and be outside fishing a little bit and stuff, but, but when it gets cold and bleak and windy and all that, we'll be back in church. Makes me want to puke my guts out. That's just me. <laughs> I'm different that way. And listen, I'm not saying we don't have fun, we don't have hobbies, because I love doing all that stuff, maybe more than you do, especially fishing and golfing. I'm not, not much of a hunter, but I love to fish. But when it takes the place of Christ in my life, I'm done. I got nothing. I got some hobbies, and they're not going to get me very far. <laughs> Maybe it's apathy. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is that's causing us to miss Christ and miss Christmas, I can tell you this without a shadow of a doubt, it's definitely not worth it. All the townspeople, that's, I think of Bethlehem, I think they kind of missed it as well. Because you don't see any of them in the nativity scene. They, they never seemed to show up. They didn't, they didn't want to be bothered with it or whatever. They, maybe they didn't know. I, I don't know. But too many people missed it at that first Christmas. And I, I beg and, and ask you today, right here, December 15th, 2019, just 10 days before we celebrate our Savior coming into our world again, whatever it takes, don't miss or neglect the greatest gift ever in Jesus. The last thing on your outline today is, is simply this. His purpose gives us purpose. And, and here's what I mean by that. There's a, a verse out of 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 that says, and it's kind of strong, it says, he who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning for this, and I love this second part, don't miss this. He goes on and says, for this purpose, write that down, for this purpose, was the Son of God manifested, which literally means came to earth in human form. He's always been, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they've always been. And you ask me, preacher, how is that possible? I don't know. I'll gladly admit to you. I don't have all those answers, but I just know this, that when the Bible says they've existed from age to age, from eternity to eternity, they've always been. You know what? I got to have faith to believe that. So here's what happened. He was existing with God the Father and, and the Holy Spirit up in the heavenlies and all of a sudden it was time to come and rescue us to put on that cape, so to speak, and swoop down to earth and show up and save us from our sins. And that's what the word manifested means, that he came in human form. The, the, the last, last part of that verse says that he might destroy the works of the devil. I love that imagery. He's not just going to show up and say, now, devil, you get back. You, you got your area over there. You stay right over there. We'll stay over here. We'll leave you alone if you leave us alone. No. He came to destroy all of the works of darkness. Can you get a hold of that today? That whatever's tried to attach itself 
As the Bible declares in Peter's writings that, that, that the enemy, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what his purpose is in your life and my life and the life of those who we know and love in everybody's lives. But Jesus says that for this purpose, I have come to destroy the works of that evil one. And here's what that means to us. You're thinking, man, I don't really put this together, but put it together like this. That all that stuff the enemy's trying to do to destroy your life, your purpose, your destiny, your future, your plans, everything that God has scripted out in the heavenlies for you. Jesus said, I have shown up. I have come to this earth. I walked in human form. I surrendered my life and I raised back from the dead on the third day. And I did all of that to destroy the works of the enemy that's trying to destroy all of your purpose and plans. His purpose was to free us for our purpose. And if you've discounted yourself from having a purpose and God knowing your name and having a plan for your life, let me bring something to your attention right now. That is a lie from Satan himself. God knows your name. The Bible says he knows every detail about our lives and he has wonderful things written down about us, a, a future, a hope, a purpose, a plan, everything just for you, not just for me, not just for Paul, not just for King David, not just for Anna, not just for Simeon, but for every one of us. His purpose is to completely, hear this word, free us to live and fulfill the purpose he has for our lives. Would you close your eyes for just a minute? Some of you, many of you have already responded to a prayer call this morning, and thank you for that. But one more time of prayer that I want to offer to you right now is this. If you've been caught up in the busyness of life, if you've been in neglect or apathy about Jesus, why he came, who he is, anything that would cause you to miss Christmas this year. I want to pray with you and for you. If you don't know Christ in your life this morning, I want to pray with you and for you. If you have been believing the enemy's lies in and over your life and to your life and you've been struggling with those things and, and feeling like I don't have a purpose. God don't even know I'm here. I, I am useless. I am a waste. I don't even know why I exist. Anything along those lines. I want you to know God has come to break those lies. To destroy the works of the evil one. And we want to pray for you this morning. So if you feel the spirit of God moving your heart right now. And you want somebody to agree with you in prayer as we finish our time up this morning. Would you just stand up where you're at and would you come and meet me right here at the front of this church and let's pray together as we worship God together in this, this closing moment of our service. Would you come now all across this room? Just make your way. This is your moment. This is your time. God's purpose is you. You are the reason he came. You are the meaning of Christmas. He loves every one of us. Maybe it's been that you haven't reached out to those that you do life with that are hard, hard to engage, that are hard to, to interact with. You just, I don't know, but God spoke to your heart and said, it's time for you to continue, to increase, to love, to share me with them. I don't know. Anybody at all, you need prayer this morning. 
in these closing moments. Now is your chance to come before we move on in our time together. Would you do that right now if that's you? If not, stand up. All across this room, everybody stand up. Reach over and take the hand of somebody nearby you because God is doing something powerful today along these lines. And I just want us all to open ourselves up to anything at all that God is pressing on our hearts. You didn't come up here, that's fine. God can meet us right where we're at. Would you just take a moment before I pray over us and we worship with one more song this morning to pray for each other. The people that you're hand in hand with, you may not know them, you may not have come with them, that's fine. You just speak a prayer over their lives this morning. Man, I love this time of the year. We are blessed in so many ways and it's just very special as we see what God has done for us through the eyes of Christmas. Just pray for another moment that I'm going to pray over us all. Thank you, Jesus. What a day. So much more to come. Lord, we honor you. We thank you. We worship you. You have done and are doing great things in our presence, in our gathering. I thank you for your anointing that's thick in this place. God, your power, your presence, your majesty and your glory that is here to change us. Here to heal us here to help us and we have seen so many great things already take place this morning as we moved in faith to come and believe you for miracles physically spiritually emotionally and relationally but God the greatest miracle of all is the miracle of receiving your gift of salvation that's a spiritual healing that we all desperately need because without it, we are hopelessly sick unto death. But you bring life. You bring hope. You bring redemption. You purchase our sins, our lives, our eternities. So thank you for that right now. If there be anyone in this room, Lord, that, that needs your salvation, I pray they open their heart they ask you to come in to be their Lord, their Savior, their God. Lord, I just pray that in the arena of salvation, of hope, of the reason why you came that we've talked about for the last few minutes, I pray that you open up the eyes of our spirit, man, that we see people as you see people, your kids that you love that are hurting that are lost, that are desperate, that are groping, as the Bible describes, in the darkness. God, I pray that we see them clearly this week, today, that God, you put somebody on our hearts right now that we need to call up or we need to go by their house whenever we leave this place, God. Not waste any time, but move towards them. 
that maybe tonight we invite them to to Jingle Jam, which is a great party, but at the heart of it, God, it's all about you coming to save us and rescue us and your great love of redemption, the story of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Whatever that is, God, this week at work, walking across the street, knocking on a neighbor's door, whatever it is, let us see those people in our lives who need your salvation. Just to think, God, you you use us, you choose us, you love us, and you include us. Thank you for Christmas. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, would you sing this with us as we finish our time? Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. For more information, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.